Blood of the Summoned. Written, produced, and performed by Philip D. Adams. Chapter 27 Too Late Edwin spent the day the same way he'd spent the last two days since Rodiger, Roddy, and two of the house cars left for Norhamshire, practicing his archery in the morning, then mostly puttering around the house after the midday meal. He remembered what Lem had told him on the march to Sheffield about what it was like going to war and how most of the time was spent being bored out of one's skull. Edwin was certainly that. Two days earlier, it had fallen to Roddy to inform Edwin that his services would not be needed on this particular journey. Roddy had not been anxious to tell him. Sorry, mate. It's just going to be the four of us this time. Father's orders. All right. Of course, if it were up to me, I'd say you could come along. Really, it's just, what makes you think I want to go? What, you don't want to? Jump into that snake pit? God, no. Through various channels, Rodiger had learned that Sacros, the one they were looking for, lived in a castle on the sea just south of Berwick-upon-Tweed. It was assumed that Sacros would hardly be the only vampire in the castle, so it would be a very dangerous mission. Edwin did not understand why they didn't just take twenty or thirty men-at-arms with them and simply storm the place. Rodiger tried to explain that it wasn't as easy as it sounded, and since they were only going in after one person, not trying to take the castle itself, it would be easier to slip in with a few than to fight their way in with a host. Well, quite the young lion, aren't we? Would you go if you didn't have to? Well, no, I don't suppose so. Exactly. Look, Rod, if you wanted me to go, you know you wouldn't have to ask me twice. But as long as you mean for me to stay behind, I'm just as happy to give it a miss. Oh, right then. Well, I, I guess we'll be off. Roddy promised they'd resume their search for Molly just as soon as they returned. Edwin wished them good luck and promised to help keep an eye on things at Hamsterley. Of course, he would be far from alone in that duty. Along with about 20 house cars posted in and around the estate, Osmod had also stayed behind to manage things. Edwin liked Osmod, though most people, it seemed, didn't care for him very much. He had a gruff manner, to be sure, but Edwin figured that was all part of the job of being Lord Rodica's right-hand man. Osmod was tall and wiry, with a broad face and dark, deep-set eyes. He had a sharp mind for details and appeared always to be thinking about the next task, which gave him a conniving, suspicious look and in turn made others naturally suspicious of him. But Edwin understood him to be a good-natured man who was intensely loyal and well-mannered, and though it was usually masked behind a serious demeanour, Osmod did have a clever sense of humour when he decided to show it. Edwin often thought Osmod would make a good lord himself, if ever such were conferred upon him. As the warm afternoon waned, Edwin sat down with a whetstone and the sword he'd found in the woods near St. Andrews and began honing the blade with long, careful strokes. The sword didn't really need to be sharpened, as Roddy had already shown him how to sharpen and polish the steel blade, and Edwin had since spent many hours at it. Now it gleamed like fine silver and had an edge like a razor. An old scabbard had been found to fit, and Edwin likewise took the time to clean and oil it until it looked new. Since swords were not all that easy to come by, even if one could afford them, simply finding one as Edwin had was quite a windfall, regardless of the quality. As it happened, this particular sword turned out to be a fine weapon indeed. It was long and slender, with a fuller that ran almost the entire length of the blade. The pommel was of heavy steel in a sort of flattened dome shape, and the guard was a wide half-moon that pointed downward. 
The leather wrapping on the grip was worn and partly rotted when they found it, but once it was replaced, the sword felt very comfortable in Edwin's hand. The sword also had a balance to it that made it feel both light and formidable, the exact opposite of the sticks he had been given to train with. As he practiced the techniques he'd learned from Yoon, the sword seemed to understand what Edwin wanted to do and responded eagerly. He'd probably never be as good with a sword as he was with his bow, but it was nice to feel at least some competence with it, and as Lam pointed out, a bow is not much good in hand-to-hand -hand fights. By the time the sun had set, Edwin had put the sword away and was reclining out back on a wooden bench with his back against the outside of the house. Osmod came out with two cups of ale, handed one to Edwin, and sat down next to him. What do you make of that? It didn't take Osmod long to find what Edwin was pointing at. The star with the fiery white tail was the brightest thing in the heavens. Oh my, now that's something odd and no mistake. What is it? Dunno. I've never seen the like before. It's queer. It looks like it should be moving, but it's just hanging there. Aye, not sure what to make of that. They sat and drank and gazed up at the flaming star for a long while. Finally, Edwin broke the silence. Do you think they'll be all right? I wouldn't doubt them for a moment, son. Really? Let me tell you something, Edwin. Those are some of the finest men and fiercest warriors God ever created. I was there when Dolan fought off four Welshmen who had pushed through the line by himself. Barlow once fought like a berserker for hours with two arrows in him. And Lord Rodiger, I've never seen such bravery nor skill with a sword. What about Roddy? Osmod smiled. He's the very image of Lord Rodiger in his youth, only stronger and faster. I don't know what they'll face when they get there, but they'll be ready for whatever they encounter, I have no doubt. Edwin lay in bed that night thinking about what Osmod said, and it made him less anxious. Soon, however, his mind turned to Molly. She was what Edwin always thought of whenever he wasn't thinking of something else. The memory of her pretty face flushed with excitement just inches beneath his as they lay on the cool grass of St. Andrews once again filled his mind. He wanted that moment back more than anything in the world. He wanted to feel her body beneath his. He wanted to kiss those soft red lips. Another moment, and he would have, but he was too late. Now his life teetered between the fear that he was still too late and the thin, fragile hope that perhaps he was not. He had to find her, and until he did, or until there was not left to hope for, he would keep searching for her. That was his last thought as he fell asleep. Edwin hadn't been asleep an hour when he woke to find Osmod greeting a visitor at the front door. His heart raced when he saw that it was Kit. It had been weeks since they had heard from him, and though Rodica never doubted him, Edwin had all but given up hope that Kit would ever find Wolfric, or ever return. "'Have you found him?' Do you know where he is? Aye, I know where he is, and I know where he's going. Going? Aye, he's found something he's been searching for. Or someone, I should say. Soon he'll be going after her. Her? Did you say her? That's what I said. It seems he's wanted to get his paws on this one for some time now. Molly. It's got to be Molly. Is that who it is? Is it Molly? He never mentioned a name. Is Molly a pretty young thing with brown hair? Tor whispered. Are you awake? His huge feet were wrapped in two layers of wool blanket and wiggled just inches from Molly's shoulder as the two lay side by side and head to foot in the corner of the house opposite the bed where Zell and Myrna slept. Yes! How could I not be? 
How to sell sleep to that racket? Uh, I know, the poor man. Tor sat up and looked down at Molly, who was not but a pretty head poking out of her blankets. We've had to endure that for months. Imagine living with that all your life. Shh, you'll wake them. Now Tor slid forward and lay his massive body next to Molly's face to face and spoke in a more tender voice. He must truly love her. The long winter nights together had been agonizing for Tor, Molly knew, but they had had their effect on her as well. She still didn't love Tor, at least not in that way, nor had she stopped thinking about Edwin. Indeed, it was only thoughts of Edwin that had kept her chaste these long months. Her promise to marry Tor was one she intended to keep if she must, but making him wait a full year was a promise she made to Edwin, and if she were bound by one, then surely she was even more bound by the other. Yet she was still a woman, a woman in whose loins a fire had been growing steadily for months, and a big, strong man lay right beside her with all the desire and all the equipment her young body craved. Every night she prayed herself to sleep, praying that Tor would continue to restrain himself, while deep down hoping that he would not. Now that her resistance had frayed to the breaking point, her excitement rose to a fevered pitch, and she prayed that God and Edwin would forgive her for what was about to happen. In her heart, she was confident God would, but she knew Edwin would not. One word, one touch, one reach of Tor's hand, and the fire inside her would be quenched, and her dreams of Edwin would be snuffed. We can't wait until morning. We've got to go now. He's right. We need to get there before Lord Drake. I mean, before Wolfric does. And we need as many men as we can muster. No, Edwin. No men. I can't send any men. What? Why not? Don't you understand? Molly's in danger. We need to save her. Absolutely not, Edwin. Lord Rodiger left strict orders. Hamsterley is to be well protected at all times. And I may remind you, he and Roddy are also in a very dangerous spot. He may need to call on his men at any time. I'm very sorry, but no men. Edwin was crestfallen. He was sure that if Rodiger knew the situation, he would approve of sending some of his house cars. But there was nothing to be done. Osmod had put his foot down. Not to worry, lad. We'll do no better with a lot of them. And anyway, I've got a couple of blokes to help us, and believe me, they want to see Wolfric dead as much as you do. Maybe more. Within a half hour, Edwin and Kit were mounted up and on the road. Edwin was fully armed with both bow and sword. What arms Kit had were well concealed. So, where are we headed? East, along the Utterly Road. That's where the girl and the man were holed up. Man? What man? Oh, didn't I mention? She's been living in a farmhouse with a big bear of a chap, according to Lord Drake. That's what the wood rats call Wolfric. Don't ask me why. She's living with another man? That's what they tell me. Edwin's heart sank, as elated as he had been to learn that Molly was alive and well, and beyond thrilled at the prospect of finding her at last, he now discovered that, in spite of all that, he was still too late. Whoever this bear of a man was, he was protecting her now, and had been for all this time, and undoubtedly the bloke had already had her. The very notion made his stomach churn. Suddenly, just when his long journey was nearing its end, there no longer seemed any reason to make it. From that moment on, every hoofbeat against the hard ground jarred Edwin to his bones like a humiliating kick in the crotch. The visions of Molly that had soothed him to sleep at night now taunted him mercilessly. Out of nowhere, the face of Yoon invaded his mind with his brown-toothed grin leering and laughing at Edwin as if this was the cruel joke Yoon had been in on from the start. 
With it, the voice of Roddy, admonishing him not to give up on Molly, hectored him, and still the hoofbeats fell hard and relentless, stomping out the last vestiges of his happiness and leaving him empty and aching inside. All the anguish that had buffeted him over the past year now seemed only a warm-up to the throttling his heart was about to receive, and there was no relief in sight. Or was there? Suddenly, unbidden, visions of Elga, beautiful Elga, took hold and surrounded him like a big, warm hug, and Edwin had the urge to turn around and gallop south to Brompton just as fast as his horse could carry him. He could be there by morning, alone this time, just as she'd said. He had loved her once, and he could love her again. Then, just as quickly, the snarling face and accusing words of her cook, Milda, leapt into his mind and wrenched him out of his reverie. "'You're not with the dung she scrapes off her shoes!' she had said. Milda was right. Edwin was not good enough for Elga. He had wronged her terribly by assuming he knew more than he did. He hurt poor Elga deeply and made himself miserable, all because he took the word of a scoundrel instead of having the stones to learn the truth and the grace to accept whatever he found. And if he would do the same to Molly, then surely he didn't deserve her either.' It was then that Edwin realised, or rather remembered, that there truly was a purpose for this journey, and one that was more important by far than his own happiness. He needed to put his father's body to rest, and send the demon that had been defiling it back to hell where it belonged. He needed to slay Wolfric the Beast. Edwin plucked up his courage and rode on. Molly thought of Zell and Myrna, sleeping just a few feet away, and felt a twinge of self-consciousness. Though she'd never seen Tor's naked body, she had a sense for how he was fixed and of how hard and deep he could fuck her. Though she was already getting wet, she was yet a virgin, and surely there would be some pain. In any case, her moans would likely be quite loud, enough to fill the tiny house. Not even Zell could sleep through that, though it made no difference, since nothing would make him and Myrna happier. As Tor lay next to her, his head propped up on one hand and his other arm at his side, she looked into his eyes and saw them darting back and forth across her blanketed body. Neither one said a word as Molly waited for Tor to get closer, her breath quickening in anticipation. Tor didn't move right away, and eventually the moment dragged on until the anticipation melted into an awkward silence. Molly knew she could have ended it at any time, but instead she decided to wait and see what Tor would do. And still, Tor did not move. At length, Tor opened his mouth as if to speak, but no words came. Is he trying to tell me something? She wondered. Is he going to kiss me? Why doesn't he move? She rather expected Tor to lean into her, and she would have gladly met him halfway, but he didn't. Does he not want me after all? Or is he just too timid? Molly concluded it was probably the latter, though neither answer was acceptable in her mind. The longer he took, the more her resolve stiffened. She had no intention of letting him off the hook, if he wanted her, he would have to be a man and take her, and be quick about it before she changed her mind. Are you all right? <laughs> yes. No, it's just... I. It's nothing. She could see that Tor was stupefied, and it made her angry, though she was careful not to show it. Instead, she rolled over and faced away from him. Well, good night then. What she was really saying was... Last chance. Do it or don't. This ship is about to sail. Tor did not get the message, but remained silent and frozen in place. Slowly, begrudgingly, he resumed his prior sleeping position. Good night. Thoroughly frustrated as they both were, Tor and Molly lay awake for a long time, keeping still and silent all the while, as if they were feigning sleep, but wide awake nonetheless. The longer Molly lay on her side, the more embarrassed and foolish she felt. 
She could not fathom how she could have been so stupid as to even consider giving herself to such a spineless child of a man. As thoughts of Edwin crept back into her mind, which they invariably did, she felt horribly guilty for what she almost did, for what she wanted to do. Even though nothing had happened, merely making herself available to Tor as she had was a grievous betrayal of her promise to the man she truly loved. Praying silently, she begged God's forgiveness and thanked him that, in spite of herself, she had not consummated it. Suddenly, Tor sat upright. What was that? I didn't hear anything. 